You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 247 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Born free, free as the wind blows. Uh, Born free. Okay, here's where my head goes. Either it's a like an American song, just straight out American, or that's an old hymn from some hymnal I've never opened. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I think it's like a 1970s country western song, but it just popped into my head. And today we interviewed Matt Dobshoots with his new book, Dobshoots. Porn Free. That's right. <laughs> so it was just a natural connection in my brain to Born Free. But um, the, the focus of today is on his book, Porn Free. Yes. So there you go. Matt has just released Porn Free, Becoming the Type of Man Who Does Not Look at Porn. Um, and this is our second crossover podcast that we've done with Matt. Matt is also the host of the Porn Free Radio podcast. Uh, and yeah, we talked about his book, but then we also really just talked about I think really the factors or the aspects to becoming someone who is a porn-free person. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt's kind of a part of the OG for the podcast community on this topic. Right. Uh, he started back in 2014. Crazy. And, um, just a voice that's been encouraging a lot of men in their journey to freedom. And I think today's conversation was really helpful because it really dives into the aspects of um, why is behavior modification not enough? You know, why is the goal not simply to be sober and be able to count how many days since I last looked at porn, yeah. but to get at those underlying factors of relationship and connection and being known and how, you know, pornography becomes a false substitute or in his words, as people hear today, a, a, a poor solution yep. for things that we are all legitimately looking for. And so whether you are a man or a woman uh, who struggles or are married to a man mm -hmm. or woman who struggles, I think there's just a ton of great insight here and yep. um, will probably prompt you to go pick up his book by the time it's all said and done. Absolutely. A few quick things before we get into it. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on all the major platforms. And if you can write us a review, it is very helpful. Uh, also, I would just say, why don't you go subscribe to Matt's podcast as well, the Porn Free Radio podcast. Check that out. You can also follow us on social media at Pure Desire PDMI. And then we also have full episodes of this podcast up on YouTube. So check that out. All right. Today's episode, again, is sponsored by Covenant Eyes. Nick, Covenant Eyes is uh, an organization that we're close with, we're friends with, and some people have heard of them. But for some of our listeners who maybe haven't, can you tell us a little bit about Covenant Eyes? Yeah, we love the team at Covenant Eyes. We've worked with them for a long time, and they really are old school when it comes to accountability software. They were the, the first in the game. And what I love is that they have just continued to develop and grow their product yep. all the way to the point that right now, Covenant Eyes screen accountability actually involves some AI software that is reading what is on your screen versus just reading what you type in. It's not so like it, Skynet AI. It's really it's amazing. Like, it, it makes, yeah. I think, accountability software kind of foolproof. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, there's a, a very strong inability for someone motivated to make bad choices yeah. to do it without people being alerted. Yeah. And so it's really changing the conversation about accountability. And I know for some people that word accountability maybe has a negative connotation, but mm -hmm. why would that be? Because we're accountable, I think, in any area of life that's really important to us. And so why wouldn't we be accountable in an area as important as our biblical sexuality? Totally. So with Covenant Eyes Screen Accountability Software, you can begin that journey to freedom and have the peace of mind that you're not alone in the fight. Mm -hmm. And I think what I love about it too is that it isn't just something you use for like a season, but you can continue 
to walk in freedom and really make accountability software just a part of your new normal, how you do life in a healthy way. And uh, it's exciting that you can try Covenant Eyes for free uh, for 30 days, no strings attached, no commitments. Just go to covenanteyes.com and at checkout, enter the code Pure Desire. So all one word, Pure Desire. I know normally Pure Desire is two words, yes. but for the <laughs> promo code, you want to enter it as one word at covenanteyes.com and start your journey to living in biblical accountability today through Covenant Eyes. Good. Uh, as if one call to action and having 30 days free isn't enough, they also have a 14-day video series that they want you to have access to. Brandon and Tonya Clark. The have, video series is 14 days long. It's a, well, I mean. Like 24 hours a they'll day. They'll send seven, you a new like episode video oh, every day for 14 that days. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Words matter, people. Words matter. Commas matter too, apparently. Um, but Brandon and Tonya Clark have been through the struggle where porn hit their marriage and they had really deep, dark moments, but they found healing and hope from that hopeless situation. And they share their story through this 14-day series. Again, this is free and you can get it by texting the word VOWS to 66866. That's the word V-O-W-S to 66866. All right, here is our conversation with Matt Dobschutz on becoming a porn-free person. Matt Dobschutz, crossover take two. Welcome back, my friend. Wow, man, it's great to be back. Boy, the whole world changed since the last time we talked. Yes. I was just talking, we recorded an episode in early 2020 and, and you guys were like, yeah, we might have to work from home next week. <laughs> and, and then like, I was like, yeah, I think in Illinois, there's some stuff going on. And by two weeks later, my kids were both here for the next year. And we lived on top of each other for, for you know, luckily they're both at school now, finally. Yeah, right. It, uh, it has been an eventful couple of years for sure. Um, but one of the things that has come out of it, it seems like, is your book, Porn Free. You now, sir, are a published author, Matt Dobschutz, host of the Porn Free Radio podcast. This is a big deal, man. Congratulations on the book. Thanks. I figured if I didn't finish this book in 2020 or 2021, I really should just stop writing. Like, <laughs> I mean, there was no excuse. There wasn't a lot else to do, huh? No. There, there was no excuses for sure. Well, congrats on your podcast, guys. I, I was just looking at the numbers. Uh, back when we did our first episode, uh, I, I think it was on episode 151. Well, you guys have done like 100 episodes since then during the pandemic. Yes. Uh, One a week. And I was on, I was on episode 233 and I've done like 35 episodes. So yeah, yeah. you guys yeah. have outdone me. So great job. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's been, we enjoy this part for sure uh, of the ministry and what we get to do for our jobs. Um, but honestly, man, we get to talk to a lot of really cool people and have a lot of really cool conversations. And so we're glad to have you back on. Um, well, I, I've heard I've heard great uh, feedback about the uh, women takeover that oh. you did early in 2022. Yes. Um, so I think that was a great idea. I wish I would have thought of it. Huh. I know. How would that work with the women's takeover for you? I mean, you're a one man show. Well, you know, actually, you know, we're working on um, um, one of my friends, Hope Ray, is going to be doing some episodes with me. I'm, I kind of from you guys, I kind of stole this. I love the uh you know, your camaraderie and you're kind of back and forth. So hope's going to be sitting in for some porn free radios coming up. And, uh, um, and, and I, I love the, the, the female perspective, not only on recovery, but obviously in relationships, you know, there's so yeah. much of the partner mm -hmm. 
story. I mean, there's partners who listen to Porn Free Radio yeah. uh, as a way to understand their their husbands and, and boyfriends. And yep. so I, I like the idea. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to those episodes coming out for sure. Glad to know we're inspiring you, Matt. <clears throat> no <That's> joke. <laughs> well, hey, let's jump in. Writing a book, you and I were talking even pre-show. It's no joke. It's a lot of hard work. And yes, the pandemic did create a lot of space for things like that. Uh, but tell us about the book, man, and why you decided to write it. Well, the funny thing is, one of the reasons I started a podcast in back, in, back in 2014 is I thought, well, no one struggling with porn wants to read a book. <laughs> that, was my, that was my basic idea. Yep. So I said, what's the easiest thing that I could create that people might listen to or, or, or consume? And I thought, well, I don't want to be on YouTube because that's just going to potentially... And you know, be a, be in a platform that's going to be you know challenging. Mm. And I thought, well, port, podcasting is non-visual, and it's easy to consume. So that was kind of the idea of a podcast. Well, as my wife has told me for many years, not everyone listens to podcasts like you do, Matt. And um, and so, you know, this was always the goal: is like, well, let's see if we can get. Uh, a book out to a place where people are looking for help. And I realized a lot of people start their search, you know, you know, in Amazon or on a book site uh, looking for resources. So the idea was, well, could we, could we do some of the stuff that we do in the podcast in a book that would be a good entry point for people? Yeah. It's great. I mean, you know, I got to flip through it uh, over the weekend going into it and I appreciate just the rawness Um you know, some of the share, the, some of the stories that you shared in it, I thought were um, vulnerable. And it's really cool because, I mean, for us, we live in that world where that's something that's important for us to model as leaders of the organization, leading groups, helping people through vulnerability and going first is so key. But I just appreciated your insight on so many things, but the vulnerability piece was just really, really stuck out to me. So, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And so I admire that, um, you know, and having your face on the cover of a book that says porn free, like, you know, it's not something that you wake up one day and you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book called porn free and everyone's going to see my face on it. Like, it's just not something that happens all that often. So I just appreciate the courage and vulnerability you put into it. Well, thanks for saying that. And, you know, it was deliberate to put my picture on it and, and to even, you know, we were joking about the, the font and the colors and stuff. It's supposed to be bright and inviting, and it's supposed to be like a first-person kind of connection. Yep, um, that's what really worked in my podcast. Is people connected with my story mm -hmm. and some of my failures and my my um, you know the tools and things that I learned. And so we wanted to create the same experience with a reader. And frankly, you know, uh, I mean, um, Nick Stumbo's book looks pretty hopeful on the outside, but. You know, a lot of the books in our category, you know, everyone's in chains or <laughs> darkness. You know, there's there's one where there's a sad woman under an umbrella, a yeah. black umbrella. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the, the imagery is so dark and shame-based mm. that I, I really wanted something that was completely different. And, and that was the goal. You know, I want a book that people actually want to read and, and engage with and, and be hopeful about, you know. Like, totally. Who wants to get a book about a a challenge they're having in life that, you know, just makes them feel worse about themselves. Yeah, you're in prison. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, and let's be honest, in a world where there are literally millions of websites people can go to to access porn and sexually explicit material, and I, I think they still print magazines, and the access to it just 
everywhere all the time in comparison. There are so few mm-hmm. helpful resources, books, podcasts on this topic. And so that's that's why I love anytime someone's putting out quality information, sharing some of their story, giving people guidance, because you know, for those of us that are maybe in this recovery world and trying to help men and women break free, we might feel like, well, there's, man, there's a lot of us doing it, yeah. but that's because a lot of us know each other yeah. <laughs> and we probably know like a good percentage of the people actually doing this work. But again, in comparison to the the challenges that are out there for people really to live porn free, it's just a drop in the bucket. So man, we, we hope your book goes crazy, gets into the hands of so many people yes. and you know, God bless whatever marketing strategies you're using because we need more. And uh, we're just excited to get to partner with you on a little bit of a, an episode today to talk more along these topics. So uh, let's let's dive in a little more, Matt. What's In one of your chapters, you identify a phrase that you call self-rejection. And you say that self-rejection is the enemy of recovery. So can you explain that concept a little bit that might be new for some? What do you mean by self-rejection? And uh, what's the connection to recovery? Well, I, I think I got that original idea of self-rejection from the Catholic priest, Henry Nouwen. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about self-rejection in his work, this idea of essentially not liking yourself or hating yourself. And he makes a, a really strong connection between um, our spiritual uh, identity. And he, he said, you know, he has this book called Life of the Beloved, and he talks about you know, the real enemy of the truth that we're God's beloved is is our own self-rejection. It's not accepting um, that sense of us being loved by God and created by God and yeah. being in relationship and connection. And so um, I kind of have continued to sort of think that a lot of the trouble with even an addiction to porn or even some of the shame that happens sometimes in recovery um, is 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 essentially self-rejection. It's 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 not acknowledging that God loves us and really wants us to thrive and mm-hmm. grow, and that that He has uh, you know uh, something that's good for us that we we were created in His image. Um, and uh, so much, so many of the guys that I see, and myself included, struggled with a, a lie that they were unlovable or yeah. not good enough. And that perpetuated their escape into porn. Mm-hmm. And then even, even if you see guys in recovery, a lot of times guys are um, are still struggling with shame and being honest, yeah. and and beating themselves up um, after a relapse and not being kind to themselves. And so that's why I, I really felt like that was the enemy of recovery is when you cannot love yourself and you can't accept that that you're beloved, mm-hmm. then you're always going to be drawn to something externally to tell you that you're lovable. And that's, that yeah. seems to be one of the big hooks of porn is this idea that, well, I'm going to go to this source to somehow feel better about myself. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's such a great concept and it's such a double-edged sword. It's such a double-edged sword, right? Because we're not feeling great about ourselves. We don't like ourselves. And yeah. so pornography, fantasy provides this world where for a moment of time, we feel desired, accepted, wanted, you know, like we're the king of the world, every woman's dream. But then on the back end of it, it only reinforces those messages of shame that says I'm worthless, I'm not good enough. And so it both takes us into it and then is the outcome of it. And it's like, man, what a lose-lose situation. And so I love the way in the book you identify that. And really, uh, I think in recovery, taking people to this concept that it's not just 
stopping the behavior, but it's learning to love yourself as God, as God made you and mm -hmm. finding value and worth in who you are, not in what some artificial world tries to create for you. Yeah. I'll give you a, a little exclusive. Um, I'm going to write a whole next book about self-rejection. Nice. Um, because it's such a, it, it's such a profound, uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we, I said, uh, you know, at the beginning that I really appreciated your, your women's takeover. Um, you know, I see a lot of women struggling with self-rejection too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. And, and, and our partner trauma stuff that we recover, a lot of the wholeness in that is self-acceptance and mm -hmm. love and self-care. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's such a common thing that, that affects humans. You know, I thought, um, as you guys were talking, a friend of ours, Jay Stringer, I heard him say, um, I've heard him, he's spoken at a couple of our events. He's a part of our um, Sexual Integrity 101 video course too. But he said this idea that we seek out behavior that reinforce our own view of ourself. And so if we do hate ourselves and we do think we're unlovable, unworthy, then it's this weird backwards way that we're protecting ourselves by pressing deeper into those things that make us feel that way. Um, and how hard self-compassion is. I mean, you know, I think that that's something that so many of us struggle with, that idea of being kind to yourself. Because in a lot of ways, we've never actually been modeled what it looks like. You know, people haven't been kind to us or we felt wounded or traumatized by other people. Um, but it is kind of a weird, um, a weird twist there because you don't necessarily think that way. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes total sense. We're just seeking out behavior that reinforce our own perspective of ourself. Uh, which then, as you guys have already mentioned, perpetuates that self-hatred even more. And that rabbit hole goes very, very deep, as we all know. Um, porn, and you've already talked about this, Matt, porn can leave us feeling, and there are three things that you identify in your book, feeling ashamed, helpless, and hopeless. Um, for you and your own story, and then also as you un, you know kind of unpack these in your book, how do we combat these feelings that really are the things that tend to lead us right back toward using pornography? Well, I, I really appreciate this question. Uh, you know, one of the main ideas that I try to draw out in the book is, is one that I've gotten a little in trouble with. People sometimes misunderstand it. I say porn is the solution, not the problem. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when you're using porn, you're using it for a reason. You're using it to escape, numb, yep. hide, avoid, uh, to avoid pain. And, you know, from the inside, you know, the porn user, myself included, my, this was my story. Um, uh, you know, I, I really didn't understand why I was doing this. And, and, and when I looked externally for help, a lot of the messages I got was, well, this is horrible sin. This is lust. This is a self-control issue. Um, this is a a brain addiction your brain is wired now to 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 this thing um and it just sort of reinforced this idea of hopelessness like how could i ever overcome this horrible lust control issue that i have yep. or this or this brain issue that i have yep. you know all the messages out there um you know, and then throw in some shame too. Like, oh, did you know that that's someone's daughter, or did you know that that's? Did you know that that is a, um, a, a you know, a, a woman? A, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the the things I've heard yeah. uh, out there, and yeah, I feel horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel horrible about it, and so 
what I, what I really feel like is when we treat porn as the exclusive problem, yep. it leads to that sort of, those sort of conclusions. But if we pivot a little bit and we go, well, let's think of it as a solution, albeit not a good one and one that creates other problems. Yeah, Yeah. right. But but if we think of it as a solution, then it's like, well, what am I trying to solve with it? Yeah. You know, what is what's the what are the other things that are going on in my life that if I if if for some reason a magic wand came and took porn out of my life, what would still be there? Would it be that I don't feel good enough, or would it be that I um, hate conflict? Would it be that uh, I'm resentful of my wife? Um, you know, what other things are there uh, worthy of looking at? Because if you can start to look at those things and get some awareness and start to map some habits uh, to fix those things, then the need for porn reduces. Yeah, that's so good. What I hear you saying, Matt, is it's choosing to focus less on the what and more on the why. You know, it's not the what I do, the behavior, the external things, but it's it's the deeper drives, the motives, the desires. And I think even in the why, sometimes resources, churches have not helped because the why we're given is, well, because you're a sinner and because you're yeah. fallen. And yeah. and while that's true, it's like, well, there's actually more to it than just that I'm a sinner. It's, it's I'm trying to meet a need or answer a question or feel valued. And, and when we can really understand the why that's driving us, you know, what you're saying is you can understand better solutions. You can work towards better outcomes because the why, as our friend Ben Bennett says, you know, is rooted in very legitimate needs. Mm-hmm. And and the pornography has just become a very illegitimate way to meet those legitimate needs. And so rather than ignoring legitimate needs, we need to dive into them and allow God to help us find better solutions. Well, and I think too, that one of the things I would agree with is uh, when you use the word addiction, it usually means that you're going to a behavior compulsively to meet multiple needs. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why it starts to look like an, uh, an addiction is because it's, it's, it's the thing we're going to for multiple feelings. You know, we could be feeling uh, insecure at work, so we use porn. We could feel angry about a situation in our marriage, we use porn. We feel bored, we use porn. It's all those, and how many times are you feeling those things during a week? And and that starts to to look like addiction, where it's like, well, every time I feel this feeling, this negative feeling, I I use, mm-hmm. and um, and so part of the whole, you know, part of part of what I talk about in the book, and 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 I I love, um, you know, like Jay Stringer talks about being curious about why we're using and why we're going to this behavior, what what we're being drawn to. Um, part of the the excitement about real recovery is going, well, how can I transform some of these needs and and even handle these situations differently and start to figure out, well, what do, what do I need when I get angry? What do I need when I feel insecure? What do I need yeah. when I'm bored um, to really solve that problem? Yeah, and that's such a, man, something that just is coming up for me right now is growing up in the church you're te- there's this message you tend to maybe interpret. I don't even know if it's outright said, but that caring for yourself is somehow selfish or wrong. Um, you know, the idea, you know, and I've heard this a lot working at Pure Desire. I've heard this from other people as well. The whole command of love your neighbor as yourself, that little like tag on the end, you know, knowing that self-care and self-love, I think of 
you know, the passages in like Ephesians 5, you know, um, husbands, first Peter talking about um, husbands loving your wives as they love their own bodies. This idea that there is an element of um, how I care for myself should inform how I care for other people. But we hear this message that self-care is wrong. And I think that that's just another thing that doubles down the shame. Like I have these feelings. I don't know how to meet these with a legitimate um, solution, something that's maybe less damaging or hurtful to me and other people. Um, and so because I can't find that, I just go to something that's easy and maybe more anonymous, that being pornography. That's one of the reasons I don't like the battle imagery. Mm. Cause I'm like, wow, if the battle is all external and it's all sort of my fight, well, what, what do I do when I have these powerful internal needs? Am I, is that, are my needs the enemy? Yeah. Um, yep. you know, because I want to, I, I don't want to use porn. So if I have these uncomfortable needs, well, that must be the problem, right? You know, yep. just don't feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't have good, needs. It's a good point to keep, keep clear on what the battle is and what it's not that we won't want. We don't want to be battling against mm -hmm. ourselves, but I think there is, there is room for some of that language, but yeah, it gets easily misapplied. So, uh, Matt, one of the things I think is common in some of that battle language is um, really the concept of willpower. That if, if I'm feeling tempted to look at porn, it's late at night, I'm up alone, I'm on my computer or my phone, that, that the key to victory is just having the willpower to say no, get up and walk away. Um, why is that not necessarily an effective recovery strategy? And what does it look like to have an effective plan uh, for dealing with pornography? I feel like I get asked this question all the time. Maybe you guys get asked this question. They're <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, Matt, I like all this stuff you say about self-care and taking care of your needs, but what about, you know, how can I just say no at the computer at yep. you know, 11 o'clock at night on Friday? And, um, and w what I say is that being porn free is usually a byproduct. Well, it always is a byproduct of your recovery process. It, um, it's not necessarily a one one you know one stand against temptation it's it's a it's an ongoing commitment uh, to transforming your habits and so part of the loneliness and isolation that you feel say late at night in front of the computer the way that gets fixed is through connection and through yep. ongoing relationships um I, I'll, I'll tell you a really simple example for me um when i got in recovery i, I went to a group and then when I got a little um, freedom, I started getting a vision for doing a local group. You know, similar to, you know, I know you guys host Pure Desire groups in the church. So I was the leader of my group and we call, my group is called Living Waters. And um, and I, I noticed this really interesting thing once I started Living Waters, we'd meet on Monday night. Well, every once in a while, Friday or Saturday night, I'd feel tempted. I'd, you know, I'd even be drawn to the computer. Mm -hmm. And then I would remember hey, you're a part of community. You're a part of Living Waters. Monday night, you're going to be up in front of people talking. That's right. Do you want to come to Living Waters with sort of this, you know, I hate to use the word failure, but this sort of like setback. Mm -hmm. And I, I sometimes would be able to make a good choice right then because I was like so uh, connected mm -hmm. to, to, to my group. Um, and so, I mean, that's an example of what, what made me be able to, to, to handle that situation wasn't willpower. It wasn't even in the moment making the right decision. It was more this 
connectedness yeah. that went that you know that kept me you know uh, connected i felt i didn't feel alone on saturday night i actually felt like i was connected and accountable to other people yeah um and and i think as you start to to take care of yourself your habits are getting met in more powerful ways you're more connected to people some of the needs start to dissipate now there's still moments where you need a plan for temptation like um i even even now i i i don't think i'm right now i could go turn on my tv my smart tv and maybe see something inappropriate Mm -hmm. well knowing myself this is not particularly a challenging time for me but um you know i have a i have a a habit where i go to bed with my wife if it was 11 o'clock right now and i'm bored you know that smart tv would be a real challenge for me totally um, so that habit keeps me, yep. you know, that, that plan, planning for that helps me. Right. Um, but you know, and if, if there was a problem with it right now, I would have to create a different habit. I think, um, so I don't know if that answers the question. No, totally. It totally does. I think, you know, one of the things, um, that we've already mentioned is that if pornography is just the solution, it's not the entirety of the problem. Um, once we understand that we're able to see that the problem itself is a, um, is a holistic experience, meaning um, something at work hurt my feelings, which you know made me feel a certain way, which triggered me, something I experienced when I was a kid. And for me, I maybe went to a friend and I asked for help or I started a conversation with someone. But then in that, I felt rejected as well, or that conversation didn't go as well as I wanted it to. And then maybe a couple other things tend to just kind of cut me down throughout the day. That guy cut me off. Of course, it's a guy because it's never a girl who cuts me off on the road. And I get really upset and then I swear and then I feel bad because I, I swore and then I go home and I like, you know, chirp at my wife or kids. Like this is how kind of a day can kind of cut you down so that by the time I get to 11 o'clock in front of a computer, I have a lot of things pushing me. That momentum has started in that direction. So if we know that acting out with pornography is a solution and, and almost the end of uh, of those wounds, that kind of day that I've had, then we know that recovery looks very similar, that it is... Um, what am I doing to address my wounds and the trauma I've experienced? What am I doing to make healthy connections? Um, where, you know, how am I um, implementing a way for me to share my emotions, whether it's journaling or praying or meeting with a therapist or something like that? Then you understand that it's not just recovery is sitting there at 11 o'clock being like, I can do this. The recovery work is actually knowing that you shouldn't put yourself at 11 o'clock in front of a computer because of the types of days that we have. So I think it just creates, if we know the problem is more holistic, then we also can understand that the recovery plan should also be more holistic. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a big fan of tools and pre-commitments too. I think Mm. sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, Christian guys like us can fall prey to this idea that, well, if I have to use a tool, then I'm not free. Yeah right? If I have to pre-commit or use a filter, or if I have to do this, then I'm not free. I remember one, one guy once, you know, in one of my groups kind of, kind of threw that out there. He goes, well, you don't sound like you're very free. You got all these like boundaries and restrictions and (laughs) rules. And I go, yeah, but those are the things that keep me free. Like, and I see them as safety, not, not deprivation, or I see them as just I see them as pre-commitments. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to have a filter on my computer. That's a that's active. That's right. not passive. Yep. I'm choosing to go to bed with my wife. Mm-hmm. That's active. I'm I'm not that doesn't keep me porn free. 
but that that helps me that helps keep the boundaries for me and and that process helps me yeah so it's good uh, I, i'm taking ownership absolutely well hey let's let's pivot the conversation a little bit you know pure desire i mean you guys are known for uh groups and creating these powerful groups and and i know over the last uh, couple of years you guys have created a lot more online op- opportunities and mm-hmm. things like that um i'd love to ask a question that i i quote in the book the the uh uh johan hari quote the opposite of addiction is not sobriety it's connection mm-hmm. uh, would you guys agree with that yeah i think absolutely it's it's really pointing out something that Dr. Ted Roberts says in Seven Pillars of Freedom when he talks about addiction being an intimacy and attachment disorder, that because we don't know how to have truly connected relationships with God, self, and others, pornography and other forms of you know acting out sexually become the substitute for that. And so if all we do is remove pornography from our lives, and that would be the definition of sobriety, we've, we've maybe accomplished something, but we've not really made progress towards health. I think of a blog that our producer Justin wrote earlier this year where he talks about making space for recovery because the reality is we're already making space for addiction. And if if in our lives we just remove the space we've made for addiction and we get it out of there, that space remains. And the question is kind of like, well, what will fill that space instead? And we've seen it so often that if someone is only focused on sobriety, maybe they find sobriety from porn, but now they're becoming a workaholic or they're an exercise-aholic or they're getting into food or other kind of behaviors that are just numbing the same pain that are what they go to instead of having deep connection with God, self, and others. And so I think what we're trying to look at is connection is a definition of health. That when I'm connected with God, self, and others, my need for those coping behaviors is no longer there Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, what I really need is relationships. What I really need is connection. What I really need is to find my identity and belonging in those things. And when that's the case, not only am I free from pornography, but I'm moving towards health and and towards long-term change, which is something we've talked a lot about at Pure Desire, that we're not here to stop a behavior. Yep. We're here to change the way you do life. And I think connection is really a great phrase yeah. for what all of us are truly after at a deep level. And I've, I've heard you say this before, and I don't know if it came from Dr. Ted or from you, and so I'm just gonna let you decide who I should attribute to originally. But the idea that God's love is experienced practically on a horizontal level, that through relationship with other people, God also extends his love toward us, that when we're in a group of other people who know our deepest faults and our wounds and the lies we believe and our biggest struggles, yet are like, hey, bro, welcome, glad to see you. Like, let's go hang out, let's get a drink, let's go on a walk, let's go play golf, whatever. Like, I wanna be in relationship with you, even though you have these struggles, um, and they might be struggles that that other person has too, but there's just this camaraderie and and relationship. That for me, I remember when I first heard that was such an eye opener. That's like, you know what? That's so true. That you know, as the church, as the hands and feet of the body of Christ, we get to extend that love to other people, and that happens very practically at a group level. And so, when addiction is something that leads you to isolation and running away from life, relationship and connection is actually what pushes you more toward relationship, toward life. And I think it's the life that God intended us f- to live. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, it's interesting. I just, um, I, there was a quote, I, I could, it's on my other computer. I can't grab it. Uh, one of the guys in our groups the other day said, um, you know, I can't, what I'm realizing is I can't, I'm never going to go back to that old way of living. 
Um, I yep. have to just accept that there's this new way of life. Yep. And it's inter- interconnected, it's integrated, um, because the whole way that the addiction th- thrived and took over was in that isolation from others. And so uh, I think sometimes, uh, foolishly, um, we think, well, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna somehow recover by reading a book or subscribing to an awesome podcast like Pure Desire. Oh, that does that's help. Gonna be, yeah, for sure. And that's that's gonna, that's going to be good enough to move the needle. But the interesting thing is, we're essentially uh, using the same strategy we had in our porn. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to be secretive about it. We're going to hide, and we're going to yeah. isolate. Yep. We're somehow going to try to recover using the same playbook, which yep. just does not work. So, yep. um, I for me, it was so important to be known. Um, I, I never realized how alone I felt and how isolated yeah. uh, I felt. And porn just went along with that. Porn just sort of tried to satiate that feeling. Mm-hmm. So a lot of recovery for me was coming out of the, the darkness, coming out of the, uh, C.S. Lewis calls it the dark little prison that we're born into. Yeah. And mean, meaningfully connecting with my wife, with God, with others, all, you know, that was part of the whole uh, road to integrity for me. You know that word integrity we use a lot in the church, and it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, synonymous with sort of a like a character trait. Like that guy's just integrity. He was born with integrity. Yeah. Uh, but integrity is really this idea of there's wholeness, there's intactness. Like, and so when we live a hidden life, when we live a divided life, we're we're not intact. We're mm-hmm. we're there's this discord. And so wholeness and recovery is that, that coming together. And that's, I, that's so important for me. Um, you know, for me, one, one of my whys is to be the same on the inside as on the outside. Yep. And, and, and what I mean by that is I want you guys to see me who, for who I really am, not for what I'm presenting. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, in secret, I have this other hidden life with, right. with addiction and wounds and, and, mm-hmm. and needs that are going unseen. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the, um, I, I think I, there was some, I was just sharing at some, um, Bible study or some young adults group at church at one point, And I just had this, I, this idea, and I can't remember, I feel like I heard it from a, a friend of mine or a pastor friend of mine, that the idea that, um, unless I share my burden, you can't bear my burden. And we have those passages in scripture that talk about bearing each other's burdens. And, you know, I've, um, <laughs> it's funny. I, I did actually, I did this at a youth event here for pure desire. Uh, the idea of there are guys actually who do like a deadlift and they do it together. The weight is so much that they have two people that are trying to do it. And it's the idea of trying to lift that solo by yourself is what it's like when you, um, aren't sharing what's going on in your life, that you're not sharing the burdens, the, the wounds that you have, the emotions you're feeling. And that idea that there are so many people out there who are willing to bear that burden with you and help you on your road to healing, recovery, being someone who is integrated, has integrity, uh, but we're stiff arming those people. We're not allowing them or giving them the opportunity to do that by us keeping it to ourselves. And that's what's so great about the group experience is it facilitates, it gives you literally every week an opportunity to invite other people to share the burdens that you're bearing as well. And then you also get to do that for other people. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, one of the things I know about you guys is a, a lot of your pure desire leaders have their own recovery stories, you guys included. 
Um, what role do you think helping others has in continued freedom and, and recovery? You know, I, I think for a lot of us, it's it starts out as realizing what God has done for me or the freedom I have yeah. found is is too good to keep for myself. And we know the world we live in. We know the kind of things that men and women are struggling with. And we, when we feel like if I've discovered some hope, something that's working, yep. like I need to tell people. And so for many, many people, that means helping lead others in a group, uh, walking them through that process just as a way to pay it forward. But I think even beyond that, there is something, and I, I think most people have experienced this maybe in other worlds or areas where it's one thing to learn something and be a student of it. It's another thing when you're asked to teach it, yep. right? Like if I go to the Bible study and I learn about First Peter chapter one, that's great. But if I've been asked to teach on First Peter chapter one, my level of engagement with the text goes way, way up because now I'm engaged in a way that if I'm just the listener and receiver, I didn't engage. And that's one of the reasons I encourage every person in group to consider leadership, not just because I want them to pay it back, but because I know what it will do for them. That when they look at a lesson or a chapter and they have to be responsible, and, you know, in our, in our groups, they're not teaching, so that's a little bit different, but they're going to be guiding the group, facilitating the conversation. It just takes it to another level in our mm. own understanding. And then as, as we hear people answer questions and, and give feedback, there's a part of us like, oh yeah, I remember what that felt like. And I think for me, it's always that powerful reminder to stay connected to my healing and to stay connected to my story. Because like for me, being 12 years into this process, it can be easy to have parts of me like, well, let's just move on. And I'm, I am living in a different way now. I'm not the same person. But I feel like if I lose sight with what it was like to be in year one of recovery, yeah. I'm I'm going to somehow miss out on that. Mm -hmm. And so I just I love being in that environment where I'm often reminded of what is it like to break free and how can I continue to leverage what God has done for me to be a blessing to others. And so I think those are to me the, the two main sides of it that it's a way that we pay it back but even more yeah. it's a way that our healing continues to go to another level. Yep. I think um two passages of scripture just popped into my head. 2 Corinthians 1, the idea that um as God comforts us in our afflictions, we also can comfort others. Um I've explored this a little bit in some of my writing that it's almost the superpower that God gives us. Um that it's something that's been supercharged because of our experience. It's an area we can help other people. But then I was in Acts 20 this morning, um, and uh Paul was saying, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I was thinking about that, just that that idea of giving that hope back to somebody, uh, is it's invigorating, it's exciting. It is, um, there's so much hope. I'm, I remember uh, one of the first times I ever preached the gospel to someone and they got saved. I was on a high for weeks. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And I've had the same experience when it comes to group. When you see someone make that connection in group and it unlocks this new level of healing for them and it creates not only sobriety, but you see like longevity for their recovery taking off. Those are amazing moments. Um, and so it's cool that God equips us not only with the spiritual gifts, but the experiences that we have in life to also minister to people and that we get a blessing when we also help people on their journey. I... I I love a couple of ideas related to this. Uh, I used to, you know, when I ran the group at, at church, sometimes people would say, hey, Matt, I, I come in on Monday. I might see someone I know. I'm, I'm a little, I feel a little ashamed coming in this group. Someone might be wondering why I come in this group. And I go, well, first of all, it's nobody's business why you're coming in this group. It's not going to evolve. If you are worried about it, just tell them you're a leader in training. 
because <laughs> um, I think everyone here is a leader, is called to be a leader, and yeah. and there's everyone has something to give, and um, and so if you really want to just cut down the conversation, if you don't want to go into your story, just say, hey, I'm I'm I really have a heart for this mm -hmm. ministry, and I want to I'm getting trained to be a leader, and how do we <laughs> how do we train to be a leader in this work? Well, through transformation, through it. our own yep. growth. Yep. Um, and not only that, but I, I love a quote that um, I got from Nate Larkin uh, from the Pirate Monks. He says, um, I think I put this in the book, you know, every man needs help and every man has help to give. Yep. Um, and That's obviously good. not every man, it's not, you know, this that applies to all community, women and men. And um, But what I love about that is, you know, even a guy who's early in recovery, a week in, two weeks in, can make a phone call mm -hmm. and that's going to help whoever answers the phone. Even if it's a guy who's been doing it for a year, a couple of years, that kind of connection helps, yep. you know, and when you have groups, obviously, you know, back when we used to do groups and in, in live groups or when I, you know, the new guy could set up chairs, the new guy could uh, welcome people. There are all sorts of things that even someone a couple weeks in can actually give back. And that actually makes us feel like we have meaning and value and yep. back to our discussion at the beginning about being beloved and, and feeling um, like we have worth mm -hmm. and not uh, discounting ourselves, you know, that's so powerful. And where else do we get to experience that? You know, especially if we've been isolated in addiction, where do we feel worth? Um, that's one of the reasons why I don't think we can recover in secret or recover by ourselves is because how do we replace that that deprivation where we where we don't feel good enough or we don't feel worth how do we get that outside of relationship it's a relational need yep yeah yeah we've been talking a lot today i mean it seems like a lot of these questions come back to this idea of what's my why where is my value worth and identity coming from how do i learn to see myself differently. And so, yep. uh, Matt, in your book, you know, as people begin to break free from some of those sexual patterns, you talk about how important it is that they feel seen and known for who they truly are. And you identify three benefits to being known. So can you walk us through what are the benefits to being known and why are they so helpful for us? That, for me, I'll, I'm just going to answer it with the one, the no yep. more height. Yep. Sometimes people would ask me, you know, and sometimes, you know, I've, I got to, um, I got to 11 years porn free in January and, 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 you know, I'd had some runs prior to that 11 years. Um, um but had a slip, uh, traveling and, uh, um, people sometimes ask, well, what's the biggest benefit to being porn free, right? Yep. You know, did it change all your relationships? Did yeah. you, you know, did it transform all these other areas of your life? And the most tangible thing I can remember um, even at the beginning was not hiding anymore. Mm -hmm. I remember going to church and our church does a communion every week and communion to me was synonymous with porn failure, mm -hmm. you know, like, Oh Jesus, here's what I did again. Oh my gosh. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. Yep. And I, I always felt like it was hiding. It was like a second class citizen mm -hmm. or second class Christian at church. And I remember one time I walked into church and I just felt this lightness, like, uh, like my wife knows everything. Yep. God knows everything. Yep. I'm accountable to people in my life. My life is open. It's integrated. It's whole. 
And then I just, you know, communion started. And I remembered a time when I got upset with my wife and kind of was short with her. And I realized, oh my gosh, is that the sin of pride? I don't think I've been convicted of this in about 20 years because porn was, was <laughs> right. like, you know, uh, so it was like, I realized I'm not hiding. Um, there were even times where I would feel shame, like I would have a, uh, an erotic dream or something. And I'd feel all this shame, like like the old days, like I had just acted out. Yep. And then I'd wake up and I go, "Wait, I'm not hiding. Yep. I didn't do anything. I can even check this in, and I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to hide." You know, I, I told my wife, "Oh, I had this really weird thing dream. It was kind of yep. weird, and yep. you know, and this happened, and I, you know, and just check it in, and I don't have to hide." Right. Yeah, it is almost like a a muscle. Um, that you develop over time when you live with transparency, vulnerability, you're being open and honest. Um, it takes a while to develop that, especially on the front end of recovery. But it's one of those things that you can very easily slip into those smaller things like, well, you know, I did watch that thing at lunch today. I guess I won't tell anybody. I don't need to tell my group. And if I don't tell my group, then I probably won't tell my wife, you know, like it's one of those things where you still have to keep it on going. But what I've realized and the reason why I'm I talk about it being a muscle is the the more often that you work out or Nick, you like to run, the more often you run, the easier those runs are going to be. But if you take a couple weeks off and then start it again, you're going to be huffing and well, I don't know if you huff and puff anymore when you run, because I feel like you run all the time like crazy, but you get to that point where it's like, oh, you know what? I've taken some time off of this. And so I think there's an importance there that yes, there's no more hiding. We can be open and honest. But that's something that we have to continue to keep doing. It can't just be, okay, I'm going to take a break for two weeks and then come back. I love that idea of, of practicing honesty. You know, we yeah. we got really we got really good at the habit of hiding and being dishonest, and so it makes sense that hundred percent rigor. You know, sometimes you go to a twelve step group, they talk about rigorous honesty. That's not something that you just snap your fingers and get good at. It takes practice. Yep. Um, that's one of the reasons I love weekly groups. Is like you know, or even more more frequent groups. Yep because you need the practice, especially in the early days of showing up and being honest. And uh, sometimes when a guy checks in a relapse, we all don't want to hear a relapse. You know, we want, you know, we want success and we want all the best, but sometimes a, a, a really honest check-in about a relapse can be more powerful than a clean week that was, you know, where n nominal recovery activities happen. Yep. Yeah. Um, because the practice of actually being honest and owning uh, a setback or owning some some unskilled behavior really helpful. You know, it can be really helpful to the long term. So yeah, the phrase that comes to mind for me is "Who I am is enough." That that that's the process of healing to discover that who I am without performance without trying to hide those negative parts of me and act like I'm something I'm better or that I'm not in order to get people to like me. I mean, that is a, it's a draining, difficult way to live. And if that freedom you're talking about in the communion story, I think is what we're after to realize in any situation that I walk into, whether it's just with my wife or my kids or some kind of important business meeting, this confidence that comes mm. from knowing who I am is enough. I don't have to act or pretend or hide and you know, that, that doesn't mean, and we say this a lot, it doesn't mean everyone needs to know everything about my life. No. But there's this internal sense that I'm known 
And, and with those that truly know me, I'm loved and accepted. And that really impacts life everywhere we go. And uh, so, Matt, talk a little bit more about that because you mentioned this, that um, people are always asking about how it changed your relationships. And so, unpack that a little bit. As you look back at 11 years of, of recovery now, being porn free, how have your relationships changed? How do you see relationships happening in your life differently than back when you were not porn free? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is I've had more powerful um, uh, relationships with women in my life. Hmm. Um, for many years, you know, I would fantasize or even just go to sort of fantasy a lot of times um, with people in my life, women in my life. And, um, um, and since, you know, I got in recovery and then ran my group, you know, I realized, boy, there's, <laughs> there's this whole... Um, group of people that I've never fantasized about and never had that sort of dual, dual yeah. uh, relationship with where mm. it's like, you know, in one way I'm showing up, you know, leading or helping or being their friend. And then in, in my fantasy world, sort of, yep. you know, objectifying them. Um, that's one. I mean, that's a really simple one, but um, you know, for my wife, I think one of the the big things was, just really getting deeper to our needs. Um, we, in the first couple of years of marriage, actually, when I was struggling, my wife had a really hard time with her work. She was in ministry. And um, we told ourselves a story that I was kind of the strong one in the relationship and she was the one who was needy. Well, I was kind of strong because I was like, you know, trying to take my take care of myself with porn. Yeah. Uh, so I could show up for her and deal with some of her stuff. And that was not true. I needed her just as much as she needed me. Mm. And there were real deep needs that I had in wounds that, that needed to be seen. And so a lot of balance came into our relationship after recovery. It took a while because, you know, for a while the pendulum swung the other way. I was the messed up broken one going to group and trying to figure everything out and lying and hiding and still still messy but at some point the equilibrium kind of um Mm. landed um you know and you know you made a comment about me being on the cover of this book but you know it has been an interesting journey for me to just go yeah this was part of my story and I have old coworkers congratulating me for my old job, you know, and people, um, you know, my hairstylist and just random people in my life. Yes. You know, the guy who, you know, I, I told you about this right before we logged on, you know, there was a guy who sold me chairs from Craigslist for my office and saw the book on, on the, on the table and went, uh, and, and, and as he drove home, he, he bought it on Amazon That's cool. and, um, and, and so it's kind of cool in some ways to just go, yeah, this is part of my story and it is what it is. Um, my kids did ask me to take their names off of Amazon <laughs> in my, in my author bio, their names were there. And one of my sons has kind of a unique, uh, spelling for his name and he did not want his friends Googling him and seeing my picture. Although <laughs> it's really hard to have the last name Dobshoots and not 
have my yeah. wait my is this your dad yeah, seriously <laughs> yeah. one of one of one of my friend uh one of the kids friends this is a couple years ago said hey i think your dad's famous <laughs> that's uh, awesome so that's sort of funny that's cool well um matt i enjoyed your book i know a lot of people are going to enjoy your book uh your book porn free becoming the type of man who does not look at porn where can people get their copy where can people buy this resource and start diving into their story and their recovery well we took a lot of time to make sure this was available globally so it is available in booksellers around the world so if you have an online bookseller that you use in your country uh, start there uh, search for Dobshoots, D-O-B-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. Porn Free comes up with other results. You might yes. want to. Yes. Don't type free porn. Yeah, don't uh, do that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah it, bad it's, idea. It's good to start at the bookseller site, though. Yeah, that's um, right. For sure. Um, but but just uh, an announcement. I mean, I know you guys are, uh, we're going to probably launch this in uh, later in the spring, but um, one of the cool things that happened in the last couple of weeks is we just... Uh, put it on Audible and Apple, uh, Apple iTunes or Apple Music. Awesome! Um, so you can actually get the the audio book. That's awesome. And uh, so it's full circle. I, I started yeah. a podcast and now have created an audio book. Hell! Uh, so it's kind of fun to to have all those formats, you know, yeah. out there. And it's in uh, it's in um, hardcover too. And we made a hardcover for one reason: um, the dust jacket comes off. And you can just nice. carry it around. You can, I'm, I'm showing nice. these guys. You yeah. just carry it around there as a blue go. book. Yeah. Uh, this is my journal. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, so, so some guys, if you really need the, uh, if you really need the, the uh, anonymity, the, the low profile book. Yeah, yeah that's uh, right. Just go ahead and get that that hardcover. Yeah, or just buy the audio book. Look, we will have. The links to this book on the show notes uh, for today in a porn-free Becoming the Type of Man Who Does Not Look at Porn. Matt, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate the conversations we've had. We appreciate the work that you've put into this book. And, you know, from our conversation today, just understanding how important connection is, um, how important understanding the reasons why or the pain behind the behavior that we have, and then knowing our why. Uh, just so important to recovery. So thanks, man, for your time. Thanks for writing this book and being with us today. Well, thanks for your work too. And guys, uh, you know, we're going to re release this as a porn for radio episode too. And I'm going to uh, definitely have all the links to Pure Desire. And you really want to check out, um, they have a whole host of online groups now uh, that are available mm -hmm. where you can sign up. They're fee-based, um, but they're they're reasonably priced. And there's a lot of really cool uh, groups that you can get into. And um, so I'm going to have the links to that. These guys, I mean, Nick's got a great book out there on Amazon too. And uh, um, um, this is just a, a really good podcast. So hit hit subscribe if you're listening right now mm -hmm. to the Pure Desire podcast. And then uh, look for uh, the show notes. I, I don't know what episode this is going to be for me, but <laughs> where, look, at, look at the episode right now in your player there and you uh, I'll have the show notes and all the links to Pure Desire. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it, Matt. Yeah. Appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, guys. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and let's start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week we put out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, never stop being healthy.